Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We always are better because we have presented ourselves before you. Every need that we perceive, Father, we know is met already by your excellent glory. And it is in glory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we thank you for for the privilege of being your children. Recipients of your goodness, especially of your spirit, Father. There's nothing better than having you dwell within us. And we're so thankful for that marvelous gift. We ask you to touch our hearts, our minds, our ears, our hearing. Let us receive by hearing, but also make up our minds to be doers of the word. doesn't take much. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So yesterday we were speaking about um, uh, the fact that we know these things about the anointing. We're sharing the things that we know and understand and seeking to get greater understanding about the anointing. And I think many times we assume, in Christianity we assume so much. We assume we know. We assume everybody else knows. We assume these things. But you can't assume anything. That's why God put teachers in the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, Because teaching is definitely necessary. You have teaching for everything. Uh, when you are in school, you have to learn your reading, writing, arithmetic, as they say, and, uh, and more, you know, if you'll apply yourself. And, uh, so often, you know, school becomes a social situation much more than it needs to be. And the same thing is true of the church in some ways. It becomes social instead of a teaching center where people come in to learn. Um, and I think it's it's good that we we come understanding that we are here to learn. It's good to bring your Bible. It's good to bring uh, something to write on, hopefully a notebook that you save your notes and you go over them when you get home because we're being tested every day. I don't know of a school you go to, you don't get a test. But everybody say amen. Thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't want to have to threaten anybody. Go across. I'll go in the bathroom and, and read my notes to myself. Just lock the door. Go in there and say occupied. Lock the door. But, but it is true. And, and we need to be diligent about, um, our learning. The fact that people don't believe it doesn't stop God from having preachers come up here and tell you over and over again. Amen. That's why we have church over and over and over again the same principles because we don't do them most of the time amen you do maybe 10 percent you do the percent that you think is going to get you what you want and then god fools you and that part just don't work to get you what you want you got to dig deeper and go get some more so he he's he's well aware of uh, how his children respond to the word but we need to take note of the things that God has before us because you will be tested on it. Amen. The devil will come tomorrow and try to steal the little bit that you think you're holding on to in God. Amen. It's always there to steal. That's why it's good to pay attention, be diligent, study, take notes, read your word when you get home, read it every day. Fellowship with God every day. Amen. Because we need that more than anything. That's why many times we don't understand things like the anointing. 
Yet they're there for everyday believers. They're not just for the pastor and the, the evangelist, the teacher, the fivefold. There's an anointing for believers to operate in. And very few people do because there's very little teaching on it. Number one, I blame the teachers first and foremost because they don't treat people like ministers. You know, we don't treat, uh, Christians every day like, like they are capable of of helping other people with the power of God. Not just with your words and you want to do good and you're a nice person. That's wonderful in its place, but there's a place for the anointing to take over. I'd much rather pray for a person to be healed than to go take flowers in the hospital. You understand what I'm saying? Much rather do that. They'd much rather be healed than to have all the zhuzhing that we do, you know, trying to make up for the fact that we're not really doing anything of power that helps people. When God has endued us with power and he expects us to use it. Well, I don't know about all that. We'll, we'll start paying attention and you'll learn something. Amen? You You need to understand these things because there is a commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? And healing... And miracles are the service of the, the, the kingdom. And so you can invite people into a kingdom where they can be healed because you pray for them to be healed and God heals them. Other than that, you're just asking them either to join a church or say a little prayer confession behind you. There's nothing wrong with that if God opens the door. But, but people who have, have preached the gospel for, for centuries will tell you that the signs, wonders, and miracles are the dinner bell. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, kingdom is here. When Jesus came, he preached, he healed, and he taught. And he demonstrated the kingdom. We're to demonstrate the kingdom. And that's done with the anointing. Amen? And that's done with us understanding the anointing and not assuming because you have a title in front of your name, you know everything. You know? Or a prophecy. Yeah, that's good. You got a prophecy. Now go study and, and let God bring it to pass in your life. It takes work, folks. You just, you don't go to, I don't know of any college you go to and say, I'm a doctor the first day and they give you a medical license. They don't work like that. You study. And in the kingdom, you're studying from the day you step in until the day you step off. Because there's always something to know that God wants us to know. And he wants us to be able ministers. Able. That means you have the ability to pray for the sick and they recover. You have the ability to cast out devils and they leave and don't jump on you and beat you up. You got me? This is what the kingdom is all about. This is what the anointing is for. Amen. And so if this is too serious for you, go back to sleep. But, you know, those of you who are awake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, a lot of people think they can just sleep through the parts of the gospel they don't want to be responsible for. Get me to the juicy part where I, I can be a millionaire. Not happening. Amen. It's not what you're saved for. Amen. You're saved to understand the power of God and to operate in it. Amen. And to desire to operate in it. And to and to show your desire by applying yourself. 
to study and to prayer and to understanding God's power. And so um, yesterday we started off talking about the fact that the anointing changes you unto another person. Amen. It changes you. You're not the same person. That's why it's it's not correct to try and minister to people out of your ideas, out of your feelings, out of, you know, pity and sympathy and patting people and, you know, running to their aid when they got a little problem. You understand what I'm saying? Um, this is this is soulish. We have an anointing that's in our spirit, man, that God would, was teaching us how to operate in this. And so this is this is why we're here and this is why we study and this is why we pray so that we can have the real power of God that can come in and do something to demonstrate his love for them, alleviate suffering, bring an end to disease, bring an end to demonic oppression. And so this is this is what the anointing is for. So in 1 Samuel 10, 6, we went there first yesterday. I was trying to figure out where to go today. I guess I'll go back. I I'll return to the scene of the crime, First Samuel 10, and verse 6. And how the anointing came on people under the old covenant. You can learn a lot about it from that. Why do you think God left us? Most of the Bible is Old Testament. And God left us a record of his dealings with man. And I think you need to understand at least the basics of the anointing before you can step into a New Testament anointing, which we'll talk about that as well. And so, um, in, in, uh, 1 Samuel verse 10, uh, this is Saul's, uh, anointing as king of Israel. We mentioned yesterday there were three, three types of anointings under the old covenant. It was for the prophet, the priest, and the king. They were separated out and divided out depending upon the uh, the office that God called you to and the job you were called to do. So your anointing is specific to the job that you're called to do. Well, under the new covenant, all believers are called to do the same operations in God. Amen. There's an anointing to, number one, preach the gospel. Number two, pray in new tongues. Amen. Uh, they have authority over all the works of darkness and lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's your anointing. That's what you have. Well, Barb, I've never done that. Keep reading. Amen. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep praying. You will. Amen. You have to present yourself in a position where God would use you, number one. And that's not in the back of the church or in the in the bathroom in the church. It's what your your relatives. You mean man man them and Babra, yeah them renegades. You're anointing specific for what they need, <laughs> whether you believe it or not. Amen. And and this is and this is why you pray. You pray to get loved ones saved. You you pray to get coworkers saved and healed and all of those things. Pray for everything that the anointing provides. Don't skip over the stuff you think is too hard. Amen. This ain't grade school. This is the kingdom. Because God will give you knowledge and understanding and revelation on everything he requires you to do. He'll teach you how to do it. you got to be willing to learn. You can't assume you know stuff. Amen? Because what we know, we demonstrate. I've never prayed for a sick person because you don't know how. Amen? 
So this is why we gather together. God's teaching us how to do these things. Amen? It's no crime not to know something. Ignorance is is no problem. God has something for the ignorant all day long. Amen? It's called knowledge and power. And so you just keep paying the price. You keep studying and it'll show up one day. Amen. It'll show up. So Samuel is, is about to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. And he's up at a place called Gilgal and prophets generally had uh, a place where they lived and they ran a school of the prophets. That's what this is. Ministry of the Watchmen is a school of the prophets. Amen. We don't advertise it a lot like that because what happens is you get every crazy person that wants to give somebody a word come flock to you. You got me? I don't advertise and tell people come enroll here and we'll give you a certificate because I don't have none to give you. Do you understand me? It's a continual school. Amen. Those people live together. They, they, they shared a common living experience. Why? Because ministry is a lifestyle. It's not like book learning. You have to learn how people live from day to day under that anointing. So when you have that experience, you're privileged to have that, to be honest with you. Because not many pastors will, and leaders will do that for people anymore. Are y'all here? Are you what you, what, is this new to you or? Huh? When, when the disciple, when Jesus called disciples, he said, follow me. And they kept going. They said, where do you live? He said, mm, a little bit everywhere. <laughs> See, let me give y'all a little hint. Poppy, you with me on this? I think I, we can go down this road. When you meet somebody the first time and they ask you where you live, you don't tell them. All you single women, see the married women know better. Am I right, Poppy? Ask you where you live. What business is it of yours? I just said follow me. Amen? We just going out on a date. You tell me where you live first. Amen? Because people who ask things like that are sizing you up according to what you can do for them. Is your house big enough? Is it, is it pretty enough? Is it in the right neighborhood? Huh? Jesus never told him where he lived. He said, mm. he said, and then eventually he told him, I don't have a place. I don't have no place. Quit asking me that. Amen. Just follow me. I got something better for you. Amen. And so here we have Saul being about to be anointed the king of Israel. And he, he says, Verse 5, I think we could say, After that you shall come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when you are come there to the city, you shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Now this is kind of an odd uh, uh, visual that we're looking at. We're looking at a group of ministers coming down a hill and they got their band in front of them. Where you ever seen ministers travel walking around with a band in front of them prophesying to each other? But this is the way the school of the prophets was conducted and probably should be now. 
We should be in training all the time for the things that God. See, prophecy back then was a training place to hear from God. It wasn't you giving somebody a word about them getting getting rich or something like that. It wasn't that, and it's never that. Prophecy really oftentimes is a sign to let people know that God is active in a person's life. Saul was not a prophet, but he prophesied. There are many people in the Bible you'll see prophesied, but they didn't stand in the office of prophet. Why? That was a sign that God was on a person and could control their mouth, control their movements, and control their thinking, at least for a season. Amen? So so these prophets stayed in practice all the time. They practiced hearing from God. They practiced let, letting the minstrels know what particular chords and notes to pick up so that they could bring the presence of God in. All that stuff had to be practiced all the time. And so this is what they did. They said, and the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you and you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Your strongest training to prophesy will come when you can be in the company of at least one other prophet, if not more, and your spirit catches on. This is how the anointing trains you. Your spirit catches on to what to do, and as you yield to that, you begin to repeat the same operation that they do. That's that's called impartation. And it has to come from somebody who legitimately stands in that office and has something to impart to you. Amen. It don't come in, in your, you know, back of the, the room somewhere trying to figure out how to impress somebody with your words. You got me? And many times people aren't trained. You know, I have people come up to me and say, well, God gave me a word. I said, honey, the spirit of prophecy is not even on you. And they look shocked. They didn't even know there was such a thing. You don't know that much. You don't have nothing to tell me. And nobody else in here either. And nobody else else you know. <laughs> you got me? There's a training. There's a discipline for everything in the word. Everything in the word. And the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you. And you shall prophesy with them. In other words, that spirit is hovering over all of them. And by corporate anointing, Saul is able to join in with them. And he says, you shall be turned into another man. Once the spirit of God comes upon you, you are changed into another person. When the anointing comes upon you, you are changed into another person. Many people who are believers never get that experience because they don't expect it. You know, they don't expect it. And many times they are are not encouraged and taught to seek it from God. I'm encouraging you today to seek it from God so that you can receive that. How many of you want to be changed into somebody? If you want to be more holy, you want to but do more for God. That's in everybody's heart who belongs to Jesus. Amen. That's in our hearts. But it won't happen just from wanting it to happen. It happens from you being taught how it happens. The the easiest place, I tell people the easiest place to learn how to, to pray for the sick is in an atmosphere where the leader prays for the sick. It's yours to grab. You know, anybody can pick it up when you're in that atmosphere. When you're in an atmosphere where, where people can hear 
the voice of God. You know, it's easy to train your ear to hear. That's why we meet every twice a week, every week. Amen. You're in training to be able to hear as God would have you to hear. You just can't pick up and, and don't think you're special because God uses you. Amen. Saul was an ordinary guy until the spirit of God came upon him. Amen. So he began to prophesy. He says, and let these signs, amen. Prophecy is a sign. These signs are come to you that you do as the occasion serve you for God is with you. So that anointing is also a, a proof that God is with you. When it comes upon you, he's with you. He doesn't come one time and leave you like he found you before. He's with you. So it, he will teach you how to work with that anointing. So when it comes upon you again, amen, you know what to do. So this is how he trains people to, to respond to his spirit. He says, you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come to you and offer burnt offerings and sacrifices. And it says here in verse 9, and it was so, amen, it came to pass, when he had turned his back from Samuel, God gave him another heart, amen. And this is what we have when we're born again. You don't wait until God, the anointing comes on you to get another heart. When you're born again, you get another heart. And the anointing comes as a result of the change on the inside of you. And he says, God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. And then when they were come near to the hill, behold, just like he said, a company of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before saw Behold, he prophesied among them. The people said to one another, what is this that's coming to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? So that is a sign for Saul. It's a sign for others. It's a, a, um, um, uh, sanctification where the people in Saul's, in the people's eyes now, Saul is a different man. Because they are now associating him with the prophets and not just being the son of Kish anymore. So when the anointing comes on you, you get an elevation and an upgrade. You understand what I'm saying? It's always an upgrade for you when God endows you with his power. And so that anointing changes you into another man. The anointing will also come upon you um, in in. Different situations. Now Saul was in a different situation here. I want to show it to you in 1 Samuel 19. This is where Saul now has lost the anointing. They got his anointed David to be king of Israel. Let me see. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. In, in verse, in chapter 16, uh, David's anointed king of Israel. Saul, the spirit of God, the anointing leaves him and departs from him. And he doesn't have that change of heart anymore. He doesn't have that, but he's trying to hold on to it and hang on to it. And it says here in 19 verse nine, an evil spirit was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. 
and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to kill David, and he threw a javelin at him and tried to pin him to the wall. And and it says David fled, and Saul kept sending messengers to find David to watch him. And it says uh, his wife helped him escape. And verse 14, it says Saul sent messengers to take David. And she said he's sick. And so she begins to hide David from Saul. David's smart enough not to fight Saul back. He runs from him because he still honors him as God's anointed, even though he knows his spirit has departed him. Verse 15, Saul sent messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in bed that I may slay him. When the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed and and the pillows there, but say, uh, David was not there. Um, David fled again in verse 18. Verse 19, it was told Saul saying, Behold, David is at Ramah. And he was hiding out. David's always, when it, David would run from his enemies, he always found a priest or a prophet to run to. That's That's significant. Because when the devil's after you run to God, you don't try to stand and fight him. David knew he could not fight him himself. He had to uh, flee to God. And so Saul sent messengers to take David when they saw the company of prophets prophesying. Now, this, this you got to understand. The uh, um, uh, prophet's anointing becomes a protection for people who are under it. We're talking about this we know about the anointing. It becomes a protection for people who are under it. Not your name is on the roll somewhere you are under that authority. Amen. Which means you're submissive, you're obedient, you do all the right things you're supposed to do, and there's a godly protection for you. And he came to a company of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, The Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now here you see the the anointing as apprehending enemies and bringing them into submission to God. The anointing will apprehend enemies and bring them under submission to the Spirit of God. See, I read stuff like this and I hear people say, oh, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't come in unless he's invited. And I'm thinking, uh, these people don't look like they were seeking God to me. They look like they were seeking to kill somebody that was under God's protection. Amen. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers a third time. And they prophesied also. Then he went to Ramah and came to the great well that was in Sehu. And he asked and said, where is Samuel and David? And they told him where he was. And he went there to Naoth to Ramah. And and the spirit of God was upon him also. This is after God had left him. God comes back. God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. You need to understand that. And he says he went on and prophesied until he came there. In other words, before he even got to where the prophets are, the Spirit of God apprehended him and he prophesied. Well, you can't say that unless you want to. Uh, read on. 
And he says here, and he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day till night. He prophesied all day and all night, stripped off his clothes. Why? Because he knew he was wrong. He knew he was dirty. He knew he wasn't clean. He needed to be cleansed. I'm not worthy. And the spirit of God didn't let him go all day and all night. Amen. That's the kind of God you serve. That's the kind of anointing that's available. And people say, well, it's not the same nowadays. How do you know that? You writing another Bible all over again? I like to believe what I read if it's in God's word. Amen. So this is to let you know you can't play the anointing cheap, folks. It will work and it will do what God decides he wants it to do. Amen. It's not, it's never under man's control. Just get that straight off the bat. The anointing is never under man's control. And so, uh, uh, Saul then, we know what happened to Saul at the end. He, the anointing lifted off of him again. He continued to pursue David. David overcame him at one point, but refused to kill him. And Saul was eventually killed in battle. But when the anointing leaves you, you become a normal, everyday person again. Amen. Whatever you're like, normal every day. Now, under the new covenant, we have a different kind of anointing that we have an inner anointing that changes us continually. And we have an outer anointing that is for service and is for ministry. So in Luke chapter four, we see we pick up the church of Jesus Christ and what our anointing is in chapter four of the book of Luke. We see the first time that Jesus announces that he is anointed, um, at least in this setting, there are people who believe that that he had done some preaching prior to that day coming into uh, the temple to read, but we're not real sure. But he he begins to respond to people when he returns to his hometown of Nazareth. In verse 16, it says um, uh, in 14, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Now, prior to this time, he had spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. So he had separated himself from any kind of human contact whatsoever. And it was in that setting that he was empowered with the anointing. The people don't seem to understand that there has to be some preparation of your heart of your soul and of your willingness, your obedience before God will anoint you. Amen. It it depends on what God sets before you to do, though. Sometimes it's prayer, it's fasting, it's study, all of the above. Sometimes people are anointed and, and have very little knowledge that they are until God shows up on their words. Amen. It's like, you know, a lot of times people just fall in love with the word. And spend a lot of time reading the word. And don't come up for air. And don't talk to anybody. And don't have any television. Because they just don't feel they want to. They want to stay focused on that. It's the same thing that Jesus did. It's a fasting and a prayer. A coming away. Uh, you don't have to announce your fasting. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. It's probably better that you just obey the Holy Spirit. You know, if the Holy Spirit captures your attention and you devote yourself a great deal to prayer 
and you find, man, it's, it's dinner time and I haven't even, I didn't even have breakfast yet. You know, that kind of thing happens to people. People get consecrated that way. So you pull yourself away from worldly activities and normal activities and you spend that time Focus just on what God wants you to do. So it depends on how God wants you to do it. But this pattern that Jesus set forth always is a part of whatever your preparation is for receiving the anointing. Amen. You you can't get it on the fly in, in doing, uh, you know, one minute devotionals. Or, you know, I remember they used to put scriptures in a little teeny box and you put it on your kitchen table and grab a scripture a day and look at it. Some days you'd even look at the box, you know. If God doesn't want to honor that, he doesn't have to honor it. You know what I'm saying? I've had many of those things show up in my life and after a while I didn't even know I had them anymore. Why? Because that wasn't where God was. He's not drawing you to a scripture in a box every day. Come on now. You got a Bible. What's your Bible going to do while you're doing scripture in a box? And so these little things, these fads go through the body of Christ. Everybody's always trying to cheapen the price. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's always ways to cut corners and shortcut. You know what I'm saying? I'm just too old school for that. I think you gotta stretch out like, like the penny called. Girl, you gotta stretch out in front of God. I didn't know what that meant, but I was all for it. <laughs> it was gonna get me more of God. I stretch out in front of God. And, and just be there until He moves. You know what I'm saying? So He returned in the power of the Spirit, and that's where He was empowered after this testing in the wilderness. When God said it was time, He went. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he was brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And when there was delivered to him the books of the prophet Isaiah, then when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, upon, not inside. When you're born again, you're saved, it's inside. But there has to be a separate anointing for upon. You got me? Even in the book of Acts, when they received the Holy Spirit the first day, they they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then later on the anointing showed up as they continued daily in prayer and under the apostles' doctrine. The anointing began to show up, after they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so when, when you understand this, like, like people think when they pray in tongues, that means that they're anointed to go out and do everything. That just means that it came upon you as a sign. Sign is not the, the uh, permanent empowerment. When you're anointed, God will let you know, just like he'll let you know everything else. He'll start sending you out now to minister for him or sending you out to witness in the level that you understand. But, but be sure that you, you seek God and you study until that whole anointing develops. The first part of the anointing is on your words. Your words will now become fat words, powerful words, words that move people without you trying. Amen. And so you, you, you'll understand that when you start, start to pay attention to what God's doing when you're anointed. 
But he says he's anointed me to number one preach. So we said the first place that shows up is on your words. Words have to get out of your mouth before they're confirmed. Amen. They got to get out of your mouth before they're confirmed. And so if, if you want to pray for the sick, you just don't lay hands on people and pray in tongues. You've got to have that healing word on the inside of you. And you do these things by unction. You don't do them for guessy feely and wonder, wonder if I've got anything. The answer is no. Go sit down. Come back when you got something. Amen. God will tell you when you got something. Huh? The first person usually get healed is you. You reach up and, and grab a pain because it's hurting you and you decide you're going to pray for yourself and you're shocked it leaves at your words. You're, you're the first recipient of the healing anointing in your life. Amen. You got me? And, and God works at you from there. He's not going to go put you in a public place and you don't know what you got or you're guessing at what you got. You know, you see so much of it. You know, you see people, I see sometimes people who are good worship leaders, they'll start to try to turn it into a healing service. And it's, they're not anointed for that. And you just feel bad for them and bad for the people. Because somebody that, some pastor or somebody that they're submitted to should have taken them aside and told them, you know, I just believe God will use you in healing ministry. Why don't you come and we'll, We'll teach you how that goes. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's, it's just not, you can't assume an anointing. Jesus didn't. He got his right out of the book. Amen. So he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me, number one, with my words to preach the gospel. Good news. Good news is your sins are forgiven. Good news is God loves you. Good news is God wants you well. And can I pray for you? They say, no, well, let me give you a healing prayer cloth. You believe in that, don't you? The anointing's on it. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. You got me? The, you, you just keep preaching. It says, the gospel to the poor, that means poor in spirit, people who really need God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bru- bruised, and to preach that it's now the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Don't go up to anybody and tell them you're going to pray for them and God will heal them gradually. Because it's that's not what the Bible says. It says it's now. Amen. God's going to heal you now. I'm going to lay hands on you and the power of God's going to go in you and drive that illness out of you. Amen. And And do that. And it says, he closed the book. He said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So he either was anointed to do all of this that day, amen, or he had, uh, there was an anointing. It says in verse 14, he returned and the fame of him went throughout all the region of Galilee and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. So it looks like he started out teaching and preaching and the healing came. Either that or they left something out in this verse 14. Because it, when he did teach, preach, and heal, you know, he did all of those. I believe the anointing was there for healing, but many times people were so 
you know, backwards and, and not well taught. The faith wasn't there. Many places he had to go over and over again to grow their faith to the point where they could receive the healing. And they could receive the new eyes and they could receive. So it's not that his anointing changed necessarily is that the people's level expectation changed because it says here, all the eyes were fastened on him. So you don't see anybody in this setting getting anything that he said he was there to give them. Amen. They were just staring at him. Amen. And marveling and whispering back and forth. Well, you're not receiving anything if you're in shock because the person that's standing there is talking like that. Amen. So it's, it's the thing where he had to get used to, to this and, and they had to get used to him preaching. But after that, it, things began to take off and you know his ministry was very, very great. And this is the same anointing that he has given to all believers. Amen. The healing anoint the no the anointing of God the believer's anointing empowers your words with several different things. Number one, for healing, heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captive. It delivers. It teaches. According to Acts ten thirty eight, it does good. Amen. Never does anybody is anybody left crippled and worse condition after the anointing ministers to him. You know, you'll see people come up to the altar, be afraid to fall. They want to grab everybody on the way down. Amen. Because they don't expect good. See, you can't, you can't be scared of anything once you're in the atmosphere where God's in control. Amen. He does you good. He's not going to leave you. He, he would, God would never let it be said about him that anybody came here asking for, for him, came in his presence asking for a healing and got worse. Amen. What father among you? He said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. If they ask you for bread, you're not going to give them a stone. It's the same thing at the altar of God. If you come into the presence of God and you're expecting to be healed, you will be healed. But if the devil makes you stupid on the way up and tells you you can't fall because these people, you know, they're going to let you fall and you'll hurt yourself. He just talked you out of your healing. Amen. So we're supposed to expect good all the way. You know, I know there have been people who say, well, uh, somebody fell on my arm. Well, you're under the healing anointing. My goodness. You know, in the same token, you'll hear people say, I remember there was a, a, a woman, I uh, went to one of her meetings uh, many years ago, and she said that uh, she was always afraid of, of mentally ill people. She said, just very afraid of them. And she said she was in their church one time, and there was a young man who, who had just been in a mental hospital. And she said that there was a small crowd of people in there for prayer, and he came in, and she didn't know, you know, she turned her back to him and he picked up a chair and hit her over her head with it. And she said, when it came down on my head, it felt like a feather. She said, I was never hurt. It was never. She said, and from that day, God told me, he said, you, you never have to have need to be afraid of anything anymore. She said, I was never afraid of anything anymore after that. And so God will do us good, folks. He's not here to, to harm you in the presence of God. 
You know, just just let yourself quit being so suspicious of everything. Stay in the spirit and God will help you. Amen. So so in the anointing will do you good. Acts 10:38 how Jesus of Nazareth was uh anointed went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. When God is with you, you always do good. Amen. He's when he's with you, you do good. Period. Amen. All right. So uh, the other thing you need to know, too, is is the anointing is respected in the spirit realm. It's respected by the angels of God. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus was hungry, what happened? The angels came and ministered to him after he had fasted for 40 days. So, so the anointing that Jesus was receiving while he was, um, in the wilderness brought about the manifestations of angelic power to help him. When Jesus was being, um, arrested by, uh, the, the Sanhedrin and, in the, the, um, Roman guards were there to arrest him. He told them, I could call 10 legions of angels down here to help me because they respect the anointing. Amen. If you're set apart by God, it's respected. Amen. When you're born again, that anointing that dwells in you is respected in the spirit realm. The Bible says that, that angels are ministering spirits that have come to help the heirs of salvation. How do you know you're an heir of salvation? You're born again. They'll help you when you're not born again, before you're born again. Amen? You'll see that sometimes happen in people's lives. They'll they'll have uh, uh, an escape from certain death. Why? Angels come and apprehend you. You don't just get up. It just doesn't happen. There's something transpiring in the spirit realm to help us at all times. Amen? Thank God you can't see it all. Amen. You, you'd be scared out of your wits. You wouldn't have a moment's peace trying to figure out who's, who's that big ugly thing coming for you. And is somebody going to come and help you with them? And so God spares us that kind of stuff. In Acts chapter 19, we see an instance where the anointing is respected in the spirit realm, or we can see here not respected in the spirit realm. If you don't have it, <laughs> amen. So this is a, a, an admonishment to people who don't think it's, it's important that God release you to do uh, different kinds of operations in the spirit. It says here, verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So we see here the anointing being transferred on to cloth objects. Amen. Um, we, we follow the Bible. You know, people say, well, can I, can I use a Kleenex? No, get some cloth. What you got? You know, you got a sock, you got a, a ribbon in your hair. What you got? That's cloth or we'll send you something. So this is the principle that we stand on when we see give prayer cloths to people for their healing and for deliverance. Amen. Now we have taken objects of clothing. We we've had people that that would say, "Well, pray for my 
my son, he's taking drugs and, you know, won't do what he's supposed to do. And we'll ask, is there an object of clothing that he likes and he wears all the time? Because the devil's smart. Many times you introduce something new into a person's wardrobe and they're immediately suspicious. Huh? I mean, even the kid who's a clothes hog will look at it and say, I don't like this so much. Why? The drug devil told him not to like it. You see? So if we can get something that we know that they like and the parent can bring it, you know, if say if they're coming to a meeting, they can bring it for the short duration of the meeting. We'll pray over it and give it back to them. We'll have, we'll give them prayer cloths and tell them put them in the pillowcase and let them sleep on it all the time. Amen. You know, we've had some that, that want to make their beds all of a sudden. You know, Johnny. I mean, the devil's smart, folks. You got to stay 15 jumps ahead of him. Amen. But they must bow to the authority of the anointing. They must bow. Amen. They must. And it says, and certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Number one, when you're anointed, you have a personal relationship with God. You use the name of Jesus because that's been conferred upon you to use, to grant you spiritual authority, grant you access. Every spiritual force and every natural force has to bow to that name. And when you know him personally and he's given you his name, he will come for his name. He will come in response to his name. Never fail. And it says they were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so also. So they had some some exorcists there that were using the name of Jesus second hand, third hand, fourth hand. So this priest in the in the synagogue thought he would use their same method. Amen. And it says, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wounded, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on all of them. And the name of Jesus was magnified. So. God won that round. Amen. But people will, will take this and start to think that the devil has more power than they do. You got me? That you can expect devils to act up or they will, you know, they will manifest. They, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's just not true. Amen. If you have authority, the thing is they didn't know Jesus personally. They were just using the name and using it second hand. Jesus, the one Paul preaches. In other words, there's a lot of Jesuses around, but we want the right one. Amen. Well, somebody who has the spirit of God dwelling in them would never think like that. That doesn't come to you. If you are under the anointing, he will give you his name to use to effect a healing and a cure and a deliverance. You don't need to go through all of that. If you got to go second hand, to know God, then quit doing what you're doing and go get saved. You understand what I'm saying? It's just that simple. 
once you are saved, your his name belongs to you to open doors. To, to pray, to pray in his name. You ask in his name because you belong to him, not because you're trying to imitate something that somebody else is doing. And so this, this, his name to you is not secondhand. Is his name belongs to you. Amen. So that you can allow that anointing to do the work that God wants it to do. You want people to be helped and you want to do good. Amen under that anointing. So the anointing does not belong to us. It belongs to God. It always belongs to him. Don't say my anointing. Amen. Just don't try to possess more than you actually have. Amen. Uh, You know, when you refer to the anointing, it belongs to all believers. Amen. And so it's not your personal possession. Amen. We said that the anointing sets you apart. You are different. When it's upon you, you're different. You're changed into another person. Amen. And, and you, it's not under our control when the anointing comes upon you. You can't just call for it like you do a bowl of soup or something. You know what I'm saying? God knows when you need to be anointed and, and what you need to be anointed for. It will, the anointing starts out with an unction. There is, is, a, a desire in you and a nudge on the inside of you to respond to a need. It is not for just playing games and, and, uh, having fun with or, you know, little kids do that when they go to church and they don't understand what's going on. When you become a, an adult in God's kingdom, you put away childish things. You start to understand that the anointing is for a purpose and God determines the purpose and he determines when it is to be used. It's not just like you can go up to anybody anytime and do anything under the anointing. Now you may feel the freedom to do that, but really it, it's unction that will, will get it done and that God will, will do it. And so, and there are many times when, when God anoints us, to do things and, and he gives us a plan how those things are going to be done. For instance, if you, if you, uh, if God tells you to go out in a group and witness what we call witnessing, but really prayer, praying for the sick and so forth. If he, if he puts you on that assignment, then the anointing is upon you to approach people so you can approach anybody. Amen. As long as you follow the assignment, because the unction is continually on you. Now, there may be some people that respond to it more quickly than others, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't approach everybody you approach. Amen. It's a blanket kind of permission to use your time to as as efficiently as you can. When you're out in a situation like that, you want to pray for as many people as you can reach because there's a bunch of them. And so you'll find that the anointing is there and you can respond very quickly to anybody that, that you see or anybody that God points out to you. And it works like that. Other times when you're not on that assignment, say like if you're by yourself somewhere, you'll find that God will point people out to you specifically it to approach and to pray for. It's not often a blanket 
you know, kind of anointing, you know. You'll see some people, and, and God bless them, they'll be in a place like Walmart. Miss Jan does that, you know, and she'll just go up and just start talking, you know, loud enough for everybody to hear her and tell them about Jesus and tell them it's time to get saved. If you haven't made him your savior, you do so. It's very simple. Amen. Everybody's not anointed to do that. Amen. You might go in there and somebody people push and shove and push you in a corner, you know, if the anointing's not on you to do that. And so you have to respond specifically to to what God wants you to do. And, and eventually we get an understanding of the pattern of a ministry that he's given us as believers. I'm talking about everybody, myself included. If I go to the supermarket, I'm not necessarily a minister. I'm a believer, you know, operating as a believer would. One of the first things that God will give you is a compassion for human suffering. The anointing will not work if you don't have compassion. It says Jesus was moved with compassion and did this, did that, did the other. If, if, and he starts out by having us do small things for people. Amen. Uh, you know, go visit a neighbor. Take somebody's soup, you know, if they're not well or something like that. He'll, these are, are acts of obedience to God's anointing, but they're often simple acts of kindness that aren't real complicated, don't take a lot of study, don't take a lot of prayer. They just take willing hands to do. That's why people, when they start out in churches in, in, in serving, they always have some helps ministry to get people trained in so at least you understand how to do good with your hands, how to do good in, you know, how to, and how to put your heart into it. Amen. You know, you don't do it and then get mad that nobody thanked you for it. If, if that's what's happening, then God will get rid of that out of you. And because you're just a servant, amen. So we kind of have to divorce ourselves from that, you know. And we all get tempted to do it. You know, everybody gets tired of people just taking stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it gets really bad, I know sometimes God would, would have me, you know, put it into preaching. You know what I'm saying? He said, tell these people to learn how to be grateful. I'm doing stuff for them. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and, and it is true. You know, you, you'll find God's people are some, sometimes some of the hardest people, uh, in their hearts. They just turn cold for some reason. Amen. And, and, but you know, you never let it stop you from doing good. You just would like to feel better about it sometimes. But you know, hey, you get your reward in heaven. You know, you always get that. And so we don't let these things stop us from doing it, but it's an adjustment that we have to, to make to let compassion continue to flow. Because the enemy would love to stop the flow of compassion through us. And as long as that's flowing through us, then God can use us. And so when, when, when we begin to care enough about people, and I think the first, first thing that where it shows up is in your prayer life. You have to have compassion for people and it shows up first in your prayer life in fact if you don't have a prayer life you're never going to be used you understand what i'm saying you you gotta you gotta be a person of prayer amen and 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 learn how to keep that prayer ministry going 
You know, people will pray sometimes for a season and then they get away from the things of God and they let it go. Always come back to that place of prayer and being, um, you know, wanting people, caring about people. And, and this is what we do when we care. You know, you don't have to just go and, and find people and cart them around and do all this stuff. When you care for people, first thing you do is pray for them. Amen. You pray for God to bless them. You pray for God to help them. God, whatever they need today, give it to them, Lord. I hear that they are looking for a better job. I pray for them to get a better job, Lord. Always have a prayer assignment between you and God. If not, see, for you guys, it's easy because you have it through the ministry. You have it here on Saturdays, and then you have a, a, a prayer partner during the week that you pray with. And so you're you're on assignment. So that makes it easy for you. But think about the people that don't have it assigned. And they're in churches where they're not taught to pray, and they're not encouraged to pray. They think prayer is some great mystery that only a few little, you know, older ladies do at 5 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, you know, where nobody can come. And so, it, you know, the enemy finds a way to make it hard for us to do the simple obedience that we need to do. The one thing that you need to do is seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. And pray in tongues on a regular basis. Amen. I need to do it more than, than anybody. As Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of y'all. I said, oh, okay. I wish I could say that. You know, but I'm working on it. Amen. Just like you are. And so <clears throat> God will confirm to us with the anointing when to step out and start doing the things that God would have us do. In a, in, I believe in a church where people are responsible, they will train you. They will take you aside and get you in a group and get you to understand how to work with that anointing. Amen. The the easiest way to to receive it is to be trained under it. Amen. I I would notice things like when we would have people that worked at the altar. Those people were always more sensitive to the spirit than people who didn't have that privilege. I consider it a privilege to work at the altar. Amen. And so when you're accustomed to being in the presence of God and moving around under it and seeing what God would move you to do, that makes it so much easier when you're out somewhere else, the anointing is still with you. You know, it's still training you. It's still teaching you and it's still helping you. And so that inner anointing is the one that teaches you the word, teaches you how to yield to the Holy Spirit, teaches you how to perceive what God would have you do in certain situations. And it's available to us when we're in situations where we want to do good. Amen. You know, many times I'll see people that have a heart to want to help people, but they wear themselves out running around checking on everybody. And doing everything in the natural. And, and I just ask God, God just, you know, give me an open door to pull them aside and tell them that there's an anointing that will help them do all this long distance. Amen. So you don't have to run to everybody's aid. You don't have to be at everything that, that you think you're supposed to be in order to help people. You have a higher level of helping now because of the anointing. You can do more with prayer than you ever can, you know, go and visiting people. 
Amen. Not that you shouldn't visit people, but take something with you when you go. Have something powerful to give. You think about all the people you've ever gone to see in the hospital. If you had gone in there with prayer and gone in there and say, God wants you well, and he sent me here to pray for you, He he's going to heal you. When I lay hands on you, you're going to feel the power of God, and that power is coming in you to heal you. Think about how much better uh, and shorter a visit, hospital visit would be. You know, I remember those torture sessions. You know, you visit somebody sick and they're looking all funny and you can't do anything. And But look at them back and you wish you could leave. But you can't leave because you haven't spent enough time. You know, that's just bad. That's a bad situation to be in. So I'd much rather be anointed and come in with the power of God and a word of God and encouragement or joy or or any of the fruit of the spirit that you can deposit with people. That, that fruit of the Spirit begins to catch on and heal them. Amen. You read the Word to somebody for about 10 minutes and see how they change. Amen. You're anointed to read and get them healed. Amen. It, your words will heal them. You, when we say preaching, we just mean speaking the Word of God, however you speak it. Amen. There, many people get healed. Just, you know, just take the, take your Bible out and start reading to them. Their countenance will change. Their appearance will change. Everything will change. You don't have to have some kind of power. You have. You don't have to be Benny Hinn. You know, I mean, he started reading the word to people. So, you know, you start where you start. But but know that you have that to offer more than just you showing up and, and wanting to wish them well. You know, you, you have that to offer them. The anointing destroys every single yoke of bondage. That holds people into to illness and disease. Amen. <clears throat> um, thank you, Jesus. Matthew eight, verse three. We'll go there. The same anointing that Jesus operated on is for you. He left it to the church. He left it to the church. He had it without measure. You have it in the measure that your faith will give it to you. Amen. There's no limit to the the difficult cases that you can pray for and God will heal them if you just let God do it. Amen. What I say, Matthew 8 and verse 3. Amen. The verse 2, it says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, take note of this. There were some people Jesus laid hands on and some he spoke to. You have to know the difference. Amen. Because there will be some people God will tell you to speak to. Just like there was a woman, I mentioned it yesterday. She had just had some kind of spinal surgery and she had a brace on her neck. And she was in a lot of pain. And God showed me that she wanted to get out and do things, but she was struggling. And so when I went up to her, I told her, I said, now I'm not going to touch you. That was the first thing I told her. And she said, oh, and I said, God told me to come pray for you. Is that okay? I said, he told me that you. this is the first time you come out of the house. And she said, it is. The first time she said, it really hurts. And I said, well, I'm just going to pray a prayer over you. 
I said, and God's going to remove that pain from you. And she stood there, and while she stood there, the pain left her. Amen? And she thanked me. I said, you don't have to give me a hug. <laughs> I said, we all good. And, and it was it was a blessing, you see. But see, if you get involved, if you let your flesh get involved in the operation of the things of God, it can turn sour real quick. Amen? You can do things where there's no anointing anymore. It's lifted already and God's not with you anymore. So you have to, and you have to know this, that God will not give you something to do that you aren't able to do even if you're just learning. And we're all just learning, folks. But, but even experienced ministers take the time to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying instead of assuming and jumping out and doing something. That, that there's in, in, in remember this when you go out and minister in a group, there is no competition between the, whoever's there. There's an order. Amen. Whoever the anointing's on, and this is part of your teaching too. God will teach you to recognize when the anointing's on you and it's when on somebody else. Amen. When you're in a group of your peers, you, you will notice that, that that that's available many times if if i go out with a group i'll just sit back away from them because definitely the anointing's on me well you'll never do anything if i'm there all the time amen and if you are there with with uh, somebody who who is stands in a ministry gift office if they want you to minister they should release the work to you you got me or or people won't be helped by you Amen. They're in, they understand authority. Sometimes people just don't understand that much, but, but pretty much whoever's senior person who's anointed to stand in the office that's in charge of everybody, they release that to you and then it disperses among the people there. And then God will tell which one who's to speak and who's to say. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be the one that has to pray for everybody. Amen. Um, you don't, there's no competition here. There's just free flow in the spirit of God. And so God will, will instruct in how to do those things, especially in a corporate setting. Amen. You don't want to butt heads with one another. It's like, I don't want to go out with so-and-so. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> it can go south real quick if we're not careful about those things. So here, Jesus touched the leper. Now, lepers were considered unclean. Amen. So it's a violation to touch them, especially for a priest. Amen. They had to stay sanctified and set apart at all times. But the anointing will override. See, you have the anointing that if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Amen. If you touch anything, it won't hurt you. You can lay hands on serpents and scorpions. Nothing hurts you because of the anointing that you carry. Nothing. Sickness doesn't hurt you. Accidents don't hurt you. Injuries don't hurt you. Amen. So you have to, to step into that when something happens where it looks like you might be hurt or you might be injured. You have to begin to speak the word and you got to step into that anointing. That's how you step into it with your mouth. The confession of your words allows that anointing to come in and it will work on you. Amen. Many times we've had situations where it could have been somebody really got hurt, you know, but, but you step into that place of, of the anointing. I can remember, 
you know, stubbing a toe or something like that. Uh, I know Howard, when he was, was first, had his first truck, I think he, something fell on him, you know, where, where he could have been injured. And, and he, he gave his testimony. He said, I started saying, no, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And he kept working. He worked the whole day. No, no time off for pain. No, nothing like that. Amen. And so this, this, this is what it's for. It's to help us as well as to help other people. But this is how you learn to work with the anointing. You learn to work with it on you. You're your first patient that you need to get healed. Amen. And it'll work on in the anointing. Once it's upon your life, it'll work through you. Even if you're not totally healed. You know, we all have experienced that because we come into a place where it's like, uh, God, <laughs> why not? And you got to work your word in you just like you got to work the anointing for other people. So you have to understand these things, Father, uh, uh, things we, we know about the anointing. Amen. So, um, okay, so that's a situation. This guy was healed of leprosy by the touch. We know that there were 10 lepers that met him at the gate of a city, and he said, go, show. In other words, don't come by me. I'm not going to touch you. You go and show yourselves to the priest. So there are many different ways that God will use your words to affect a healing and a cure for people. Amen? In Matthew 8.32, we see another situation where the anointing is there to cast out devils. Amen? And this is the famous Gadarene demoniac. Amen. I used to read this when I was still suffering from depression. I said, God, you could touch me and I'd be just like that man. He said, you ain't that man. So you go get yours a different way. And I'm, I'm thankful I obeyed God's way. Either way around, you'll get your healing. Amen. Whichever road he puts you on, you'll receive it. Verse 28, when he was come to the other side of the country of the Jergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fear so that no man might pass by that way. Now, I've said this before, and I think I just need to keep repeating it. This is the action of a strong man. Anybody who can block you from coming into a whole city runs it. Amen. He's in charge of it. Whenever somebody is anointed with the authority, governmental authority, to run that territory in his place like Jesus was, prophets are, apostles are, primarily are anointed with that governmental authority where when they step on, step in a city, it belongs to God. And he's there, they are his representative for that. And you can tell that because the strong man will challenge them for that position. And so it says, and behold, they cried out saying, what are we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Are you come to torment us before the time? Now, the devil knows what's coming to him. That's why he's angry. He's got a short time. But they knew that wasn't the time. It says, and there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils asked him if they could go into the swine, and he told them to go. And when they were come out, they went to the herd of swine, and the swine ran violently down the uh, a hill and choked themselves and drowned in the waters. And the people that kept them fled and went their way into the city and told everything. You notice they didn't ask 
for any prayer. They didn't ask for anything. Why? They were under the control of the strong man. That's why many times when you go somewhere and you start telling people the good news of Jesus, they want to chase you out of town and they're mad. You gotta first take authority over whoever's controlling them. Amen? You gotta bind a strong man. You gotta to care to be there long enough to find out who it is and what to do. But if you're already anointed, all you have to do is confront them under the anointing that God gives you and you get victory over them. So this is how Jesus got victory. He cast them out. All them demons went in the, the water. They choked the swine, but the demons are still around. How do you get rid of the demons? You make the strong man go and renounce the devil in front of everybody. That's why Jesus told that man to go and tell everybody what God had done. What happened the next time he showed up? Everybody was waiting for prayer. See, this is how you change a city, folks. This is exactly how it's done. This is how you change. You do it by constant pressure on the yoke. The strong man is the yoke. You put your pressure on him. You make him let go of what he's holding, and the rest of the people can come free. The anointing you carry as a believer has the power to change a city. That's how it's done. But you got to understand how it's done. Most people want to go in and, and see visions. Oh, I saw the strong man sitting up over you. He saw nothing. Huh? You just made that up. Amen. Because you don't get your, your information from visions. You get it from the Bible. Amen. You stick with the Bible. You can take care of any strong man that ever comes anywhere. Amen. And and God won't let them. They won't approach anybody who's not anointed anyway. So, so be it. Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you. For, I'm not going to get in trouble like I did yesterday. <laughs> no, I wasn't in trouble. But, you know, sometimes you just got to let it fly, folks. Praise God. Amen. But most of the people that see all the visions aren't anointed to see nothing. Amen. That's why I got to look at stuff. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for words of wisdom, words of instruction and understanding, because we know these things about the anointing. Father, we know them. We know them by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. We know them by your word. And we stand by what your word says, Father, not what somebody who saw something or made something up says. We hear your word and we understand it. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I just bless the people here and I thank you for them. I thank you, Father, that we are healed by your stripes. And so we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen again. Anybody needs prayer, I'm going to pray for you before I...